all right here she is today's topic well today's topic is learning in the womb so we are going to talk about multiple intelligences interpersonal interactions and uh, a few interactions about learning yes hi divya good afternoon good afternoon it is a very very interesting topic and it is not a topic that i can squish into one one talking tuesday it will need many talking tuesdays which is why uh, a lot of this will go into our program uh, that we're going to be coming out with but i'm going to start with a statement that i read or a sentence i read in the, uh, dr david chamberlain's book and he said that learning happens at the mysterious junction where thinking feeling and an experience meet and there is memory to carry it forward and it is such a profound statement because there's thinking there's feeling there's learning there's experience and there's memory so there are five different elements and we're going to take up learning now and and add it to experience and bring in a little bit feeling but i do want to share a really personal uh incident here uh so tanvi and i talk every day and her one year old uh, loves my little dog so there are many times i send him doggy videos and then when he is on the phone call with uh, with me he wants to look at bhabal this morning when tanvi called me she didn't say hello divya she said hello how are you and little sahib from the background said bhabal so it made us think uh, and it was very appropriate on that day it made us think that how this one year old knew who she was talking to and that part would have been simple but also connected that the person she was talking to is where he sees bowbow so it's it's a very interesting phenomena how uh, children learn and how far back this learning begins and that is our topic today so i took some time explaining it hmm? okay so um what do i want to talk about so you know 75 years ago uh, or a little bit more now maybe less than a century ago there was a uh, psychologist who put up he was a french psychologist and he put up an iq test to tell you how intelligent you were and we all know the word iq and we all test it and that was dependent on verbal ability um academic knowledge and cultural awareness and so they said that uh, you know you, you if you could only do this test if you were cognitive and could speak which means or or do the tests but was it truly about intelligence or was it a limited aspect of intelligence so what they did was they said that there are there are autistic children who are totally affect zero which means they don't emote they don't socially interact but they have an iq of a genius and is that what learning is all about is that what intelligence is all about so then we know different forms of new intelligences we now talk of emotional quotient we talk of creative quotient we talk of social there are so many different aspects but what the work i want to bring in today is the work of howard gardner and he said that we have uh, in his book in 1983 he wrote and the book is called frames of mind and he wrote that there are seven types of intelligences but what is also interesting is that by the time our children come out of school they are left with one or two so basically you pay them 14 14 years you send them to school to lose some of their intelligence by the time they come out but they are born with seven and, and this is how he's classified it and then the first one 
and he also talks about them before we get into those, is that they are semi-autonomous. There's something that they ingrain, but they work with each other. So it's not like one intelligence is different than the other, or they're not dependent or independent of each other. They grow automatically and they join in. So you could have like a spatial intelligence is very important to have a body or a kinesthetic intelligence. If you're a dancer and you have beautiful hand and feet movement, but you don't know the space around you, you'll probably be knocking things out. So they go hand in hand with each other. Uh, and the second thing he said is that uh, it also depends on brain connection. So no one person has favoring one intelligence. It's the exposure that they've got. So you can understand the exposure in our schools is mostly visual and auditory and a little bit kinesthetic. But most of our classrooms are sit down, watch the teacher talk, watch the blackboard. So either reading. So these are all skills that are either uh, auditory or visual and you're adding to only one kind of intelligence, which is linguistic. Not and maybe mathematical, but not all. So he defined them very nicely. And I picked out a few points to put in here because you will really begin to appreciate as we pull this information from frames of mind into in utero experiences and see where is the junction. There is that mysterious junction where the experience of the baby and the learning he takes from it, the feelings around it and how he carries it as a memory comes up together to become, uh, you know, either a relationship or his pattern for life or his intelligence. So that's where we want to go. So uh, Gardner said that there are seven intelligences. The first one he called is linguistic. Linguistic, we all understand. It's about um, talking, uh, you know. So uh, you, you see babies, you see babies, prenates, especially babies, when you see them cry and you match that after 26 weeks of gestation, if there's a baby who's born early and you match that cry with the speech innotation of the mother, you'll find a, um, a, a voice spectrograph that matches. What does that tell us? That babies are talking or crying or communicating in the same pattern that their mother. So there's an experience. The experience is of hearing. So the baby is flooded with lots of sounds. But what are they picking up? It's, it's, a, very, uh, it's a very intelligent function. Which, which one do they pay attention to? So there was an Italian study where they saw uh, a lot of children in utero and they said, how are, uh, how are uh, parents talking to their babies? And they said that of all the sounds, it is the directed and intentional talking to the baby that the baby wants to pick up. So can you see the sophistication of his learning here? This sound is a random sound. And it, it's there in my, uh, in my purview. There's a dog barking. But here is my mother talking to me. And then they said that women who talk to their baby uh, focused and intentional one time a day, two to three times a day, or many times a day. At 18 months, the vocabulary of the baby reflected that interaction. So that's one of the ways they showed how linguistic skills or intelligences are enhanced. So it's not like he will become linguistically intelligent. All babies have all intelligences. It's how you are stimulating the brain to wire the neurons together. And uh, you, we know the, the old age phrase that says the neurons that fire together, wire together. And the more they wire, the more the messages go along a neural pathway, it becomes a highway. So babies who are multilingual at home, which means they hear their grandmother speak, they hear their father speak a different language, 
they they are able to speak many languages at a very small age and it's interesting so even if you have a small baby and been looked after uh, say you have helped to look after and the help speak a certain language not only do they pick up words from those languages they also understand who to talk in what language have you sure. ever noticed that that is intelligent isn't that discriminatory i am distinguishing which one will work where that is a sign of your intelligence so an iq may is a day of pass like can you do the complex puzzles right no but this is what is so there is directed uh, so the babies are choosing what they are wanting to hear they are hearing direct and intentional conversations of their mother that is a sense of feeling she is talking to me versus there is sound there's a distinction between i can hear but this i'm listening to how interesting is that and then of course how that wires the word uh, ability to communicate express feelings in words choices of no nouns and verbs post birth as the language comes online it it, it all fits in together now uh, again and again on talking tuesdays as we are going through the baby's journey we've been talking about the telescopic effect of growth or development that it's not linear but everything they develop now will then become the substratum or the foundation for the next level and that clearly is indicated when we see linguistic abilities now we also the second one he talks about is called musical that and and he calls it gardner calls it thinking in sound so a lot of people may have a great great uh, musical ability uh, and that comes from a different source and also appreciation so we have people who can uh, we've had conductors of orchestras who were surprised that they were pay- playing a piece or conducting it and they knew what was on the next page because when they were in utero their parents played that piece and so we we bring that in as well so uh, there is uh, we we've seen that babies move to music in utero they can catch the rhythm uh, and you can see it if you play um you know if you have a, a child who is cognitively deaf deficient they can sing uh, even if their other uh, abilities are not working music they can pick up and sing so they are it's different than a verbal uh, or a linguistic ability singing and sound lots and lots of babies who have deficits mentally actually enjoy that's the time their musical abilities come up lots of composers may be like that uh, so there are a lot of taking in feeling the music and and responding to it and carrying memory of it and it's interesting that we are talking of memory even before memory centers are created so some of our memories that we have especially around movement etc are carried in our body in the cellular memory as gestures as postures as uh, uh, you know uh, how you stand how you walk how you keep your head lot of the story of our life is told that way that's how we carry our memory so that was number 2 number 3 is logical or mathematical so uh, you know tom, uh, there is a gentleman called tom bauer and he said that babies you know we don't relate babies to logical thinking and you know this ability but he says babies are the most brilliant hypo- hypothesis testing creatures on earth if that's not logical ability i'll give you an example you'll make seen it many times when you have a small child and they're eating and especially when they're start to sit in their high chair maybe 6 8 months and they drop the spoon and the mother will laugh 
and she'll pick it up. He'll throw it again. And then you laugh again. And you say, oh, you did it again. You put it back. And then he'll throw it again. Because in his mind, he has made the connection that when he drops it, it's play and the mother enjoys it. When he does it the third time, the mother gets angry. Why are you doing this? And he's like, wait, wait, wait. You were supposed to be happy. Because that's what you did. And so they are continuously picking up cues and putting them in patterns. What is logical ability? Ability to see a pattern and extend it into the future is logical ability. And it starts really, really early. And this is so interesting about it because most of us think about this particular um, uh, ability that it's not present in babies. But in fact, babies are looking for patterns to connect and the repetition of those patterns then justify their behavior. What interestingly also comes out of it is that our prenatal imprints, and because they are done at such a fundamental level, can show up as relationship patterns. So how we see uh, somebody who says, I love you to you, is a pattern that you discover in childhood or even in utero. And then later in life, you're using this, it becomes the belief system. So your patterns will become your belief system. So you will then cherry pick behavior that will fit that pattern and all your other relationships will develop on that and that is why we emphasize so much on mother baby bonding that is why we are we are doing we are bringing this awareness about the baby and the relationship to the mother in utero they are hearing her directed and intentional conversations they are appreciating her music choices she they are looking for patterns that says this person is interested in me and the and the quality, the experience, the feeling tone of that, um, you know, attention and that love actually sets up the memory of what love may be. It's not something we can explain with words, but when we feel loved, something happens and we pick up that pattern both outside where it's coming from and inside us at such an early, early age. So that's an interesting thought as well. Uh, and, you know, uh, then we talk about our uh, fifth uh, oh, fourth. Fourth one is spatial. Now that's easy to understand. The baby's in the womb. It's a limited space. They are moving. So we have to say that they are exploring their space. They are orienting. They are reaching out. They begin to know where they are touching. So they are orienting to their space. Uh, in his book, Dr. Chamberlain has written a very interesting story and it's really worth telling. So there is a three-year-old and uh, she puts her ear to her mother's belly, the mother is married again. What she's recalling is her own, her own time in the belly or in the womb where her father uh, was, was beating her mother. And then, of course, the mother has divorced that man. She's remarried. She's pregnant again. So this three-year-old puts the ear to the womb and says the baby is crying. And, uh, uh, you know, it says that, okay, um, uh, no, he, you know, she's hearing it. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. So she's hearing it and she says that the, there is a snake inside. She's hearing the baby, she's touching it, she says there's a snake inside. So she's seeing spatial orientation. So she's hearing the snake is inside. And she said, what, what snake? She says there's a big snake, but it's not dangerous. It won't bite the baby. So the mother turns to the baby child and says, tell me more. And she says, well, there's also a doggy inside. And the mother's thinking, okay, the, the, uh, the snake is the, is the umbilical cord. Of course, the doggy. And then she looks back 
and she thinks when this baby was when she was pregnant with this baby they had gotten a puppy so the puppy was literally next to the mother so the spatial awareness of this child in utero was of what was inside but also extended to what was outside and so there was a puppy outside so in the uterus this baby saw the snake which is a very clear representation of the umbilical cord okay. and then outside as well but the other story that i was telling you is this baby remembers her father's her father leading the mother and says the baby is crying and then she said but babies don't cry in utero and she said i did and basically she's saying is that everything the mother is going through the baby is experiencing and when we talk about that i always make a note to say what is the biggest gift you can give to your child in, in case you're going through an adverse experience at that time is the gift of differentiation yes you are experiencing this because remember we are talking about learning as the junction of the experience the feeling the learning and the memory and all of those together so while the baby is having that experience which may be of intense nature or even negative in nature and there may have feelings that talking intentional talking to the baby explaining the situation yes you are experiencing this because i am experiencing this but you are still safe will actually separate some of that intensity or the memory of it it will mitigate and and you know when we work with families we always tell them when you are going through that experience say there was a test prenatal test or your birth didn't go the way it did please talk to the baby please acknowledge your own feelings because that will give you the ability to know what is going on and then go back to the baby and differentiate so this differentiation will allow uh, babies to make sense of their world so they have a spatial orientation and then the other intelligence that goes hand in hand with spatial is bodily or kinesthetic kinesthetic means uh, you know movement of your own body so babies we see in utero are bringing their hand and feet close to their mouth so they're exploring the relationship of their own body with their own face there are different ways of exploration we know they reach out in, and hold the um, the umbilical cord and while we know and doctors say that uh, babies uh, hold their their things tightly and that's a reflex and they can't change it no baby will ever hold their cord hard enough to stop the flow of oxygen so they're quite uh, discriminatory in the way they hold things and explore things but what really caught my eye when i was studying this is how they change position in utero and this is really early that they are changing position so if you were lying on the bed and you were to change positions what would you need to do you know so you would probably go 180 degrees right if you would do that your face if you were lying like this and i go 180 my face would go into the bed for which then i have to do a spinal roll and babies do that in utero when they shift positions they so that's a kinesthetic spatial awareness that how does my body move and what is the space it can move in so they're pushing with their legs they roll over and midway they will do a spinal flip or a turn which is a gymnastic move you see gymnasts jump up and they rotate mid air and then they land back and it's a very complex movement but it happens in utero which gives them a very good sense of where their body is and the more they are tuned into it the more they are encouraged more they are interacted with 
those highways will be born. So some of us become very body aware. We know exactly how our bodies are moving. And that is, these two intelligences go together and they're also really important because you don't want to be a high IQ genius with no appreciation of music uh, and tripping over things in your own office. That would be a terrible thing. Now, the next two actually relate to personal relationships. And that is also called an intelligence. We, now, we are now calling it as emotional intelligence and creative intelligence, but they're also intelligences. So they say, so the first one is when we say um, personal, there may be two parts to it. Our first relationship is with ourselves. So they call it the intrapersonal relationship. That's the ability to touch into your own feelings, your own body states. And that's one part of it. And the other part of it is that, what am I feeling? What is this experience? What am I feeling? How am I responding to it? You know, how do I make sense of it and how do I respond to it? And also being able to discriminate, is it a good feeling or not? Because the response will come either by increasing the activity or settling back and enjoying it. So babies are quite sophisticated about this. This is really hard for people to understand. So, you know, uh, he says that if, you, if they don't have this awareness, if they don't have these feelings, how do babies remove their hand when there's a heel prick? We, we, when we were talking about in utero um, senses, they would swat at the needle. Or when you prick the baby, the baby will retract and you can call it reflex. And then what happens is that you do it again. And then when you do it the third time, and this is, we're talking about premature babies because we're still looking at the time frame, which is in utero. The third time when a nurse touches the heel, the baby resists its first because it's already knows what comes next after this holding of my heel. And that's the learning, the experience, the feeling around it, the memory of it, the response, all of it is right there. So how they are uh, doing this. Again, if you go back to the attention of the mother, so just purely the consciousness of the awareness of the mother and the interaction, the interest of the mother will be the substratum for all this. When she talks to the baby, when she moves with the baby, that's spatial and kinesthetic for you. When she repeatedly does things that shows her commitment to this baby, that becomes pattern forming. The baby, you know, develops, uh, he reads those patterns and says, okay, this is what love is. This is what care is. This is what relationship is. And then moves it into interpersonal relationships, you know, intra. I am worthy of being loved. So my, my feelings matter. My thoughts matter. You know, she's had a bad experience. And then she's taken the time to settle with the baby and dis differentiate it. What does it tell the baby about himself that I matter, my experience matters? And that's also self-worth. And then finally, we talk about um, interpersonal. So we are, the babies are not just listening, it's a do it. Though no mother's experience is separate from the babies. And yet they have their own experience as well. They make sense of it in their own way. And they say that, you know, there, there was this um, um, researcher, her, her name was, the name was Arbit, Arabit or something like that. They were studying twins inside. And they say that the point of communication between twins, interpersonal relationships starts between seven to 11 weeks. What does that then mean for us if say a twin is lost? We've lost somebody and many, many 
stories are there about where a person says they've lost somebody important but cognitively they don't know it till they do therapy and it comes out and uh, you know you say that uh, there is an interesting study by Tiffany Fields and in utero babies are behaving differently with both parents interactions so the mom is a bit depressed and the baby's interaction with the mom is different than the father who's not depressed so the movement the activity the responsiveness to the father is different than that mm. to the mother depending on the availability emotional availability of the mother or the father and that's an in, that's the first interpersonal relationship that you can have so babies have seven different um, intelligence according to gardner and there may be more we always like to say that we don't know what we don't know but what we do know what is important you know when we talk about babies don't feel pain or they don't remember that freud had said that they have infantile amnesia that has been the 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 framework in which doctors have worked in the last century they've done baby uh, you know surgeries with muscle paralyzing the muscle so that there's no movement but no painkillers what might be the effect of that uh, the fear that women feel when they are pregnant whether it is about their birth whether it's about their relationship but also subtly to say the fear that we are giving them about pregnancy about birth which is just common language that we use around them what might that be the experience of the baby the feelings of the baby around it the learning the uh, the memory of it what that might be it, it, it is time to become a little conscious about that but look at the old age wisdom we had you know when we when we had baby, uh, when we are pregnant women we wouldn't talk negative stuff around them we wouldn't give them an opportunity that would put them in a place of negativity or we would protect them for that so somewhere we do know that this is possible then science came along and said oh you know but we can't measure it so it's not there if we can't see it it doesn't exist what could be more unscientific than that that everything that is the truth is just possible how narrow is that field of what we can measure and as we begin to measure i think if you look at scientific literature especially around prenatal world uh, there has been an oops we are sorry we were wrong and that's true whether it's it's um, care that we give to pregnant women whether what we know about babies all our theories about child care it's all about uh, whoops we were wrong i'm sorry and now we know better but what we know better is still not the complete picture in fact i feel when when parents tune into their babies they might see a bigger picture Uh, so uh, there's an interesting story that David Chamberlain tells, and he says that this this person is talking about uh, his uh, how he understands language or communication, and he says that between zero to two years of age, he could tell what people were thinking, and he could also say that when they then they verbalize their feelings, they got it wrong, because what he felt from them. versus what they said were two very different things they didn't always match so it's interesting that he says then let's go back to say how do we communicate so we have a thought or we have a feeling and then we look around our verbal centers to find appropriate words now our feeling is one side of the brain 
but our verbal center is in the cognitive side of our brain which is the logical side of our brain so there might be something lost about our feelings when we bring them to the fourth and put them in words and what might that be but interestingly babies who are preverbal can tune into our feelings into our thoughts and they can get a good sense of what we mean to tell them when we begin to tell them something is lost how about that for intelligence you know um so you do know i can keep going on but if we have questions thoughts or anything you want to share then we have looking like okay stop the <laughs> take a pause so uh, divya you uh, one of the senses you spoke about um, uh, in one of the intelligences you spoke about was uh, uh, musical so there are uh, uh, you know so many books a uh, plethora of books and articles around the mozart effect uh you know and that kind of makes babies smarter so is that a fact or a fiction see again we're trying to go the opposite way you know your babies need you to love them because they are your baby or any other human being not because they are smart if you are doing all these things from a mechanical point of view from a cognitive point of view what is firstly your interper intrapersonal state how do you process feelings i'd like to ask you that question first what is your relationship to yourself if you are not touching into the feeling tone of your of your pregnancy or or your newborn or your young child you know i i i had young children and there were days i could just be fascinated looking at them just in awe of how they came together and especially that if you know that how quickly it came to my mind how does he know you are talking to the bobo lady <laughs> i mean isn't that something to wonder for me that one sentence that one word he said made my day and this is why we want to work with babies because they bring to us something that we've lost because you know we've gone through school and we've educated so we've lost a lot of our intelligences in the process it's a okay. chance to get in touch with that so i'm going to come back to your question but i just want to you let this land for a moment and see how that feels so you want a smart child we all do but what kind of smartness do you want how would your child feel if you were really enjoying a piece of music holding your belly even when you're pregnant or your your husband's hand or your partner's hand on it and moving and swaying truly enjoying that feeling how many intelligences are you tapping into then you know so you're tapping into movement so the baby's being moved or rocked with your movement how does that how does he balance that and sees the spatial the contact the tactile contact of the partner he's tuning to your thoughts your enjoyment your appreciation of the mu- music he's taking that quality of appreciation this is important to my mother this enjoyment and hearing the cues what would that do for the baby as as an intelligence rather than oh you know put the you know i have to hear two hours of this music so that the baby may get more intelligent what the first thing that tells me about this is that you want your baby to be a particular way for you to appreciate him or her for me that is uh, that's a very poor interpersonal relationship you know we say unconditional love i mean why do we say unconditional love love in its nature is unconditional everything else is a transaction so 
think about the experience. Remember, I want to go back and repeat what Dr. Ch Chamberlain has uh, written. He says, learning happens at a mysterious junction where thinking, feeling, and experience meet. And a memory is there to carry it forward. Now, here's the ex uh, interesting experiment about memory. We know that children habituate which means if they hear the same thing again and again, they stop paying attention to it. And I think we are the same. Uh, and so in the beginning, they said that when children habituate, they get tired and they stop paying attention. So what they did is that they, they did three cycles of habituation and then they changed the frequency and pitch just slightly. You know what? The baby started paying attention again. They are looking for what is new what is interesting? I mean, if that's not a science of an intelligent baby, I don't know what is. To discriminate, this sound I know, this is new. Okay, what is this? Then sensing into, is, is it okay for me or not? Does this feel fine? I mean, talk to somebody who's listening to really great music and then turns to heavy rock and the baby will tell you about his musical ability saying, that didn't feel good. That I enjoyed. So you will feel those things. There's a music that you usually hear the baby responds to it. Um, there are so many incidences that they respond to um, music. You're watching the same program. That's your favorite program. It has a title music. And, uh, you know, they're responding to that. There was a story about this woman who said, um, a French woman who, never, who no, never spoke English. So the baby, when he was born and he started speaking words, he could speak English words. And they wondered where the nanny is French, the home is French, everything is French. But when she was pregnant, she was working in a, in a company which was British. And lots of employees there spoke English. So the baby had complete understanding of English and picked it up. And so, you know, yes, you could. Uh, you know, they pay more and they're, they're more relaxed with drums, lullaby, and there are certain that make them. But don't use those to wire their brain. Teach them a holistic experience of their existence and their relationship to music. So if you are a singer, if you are a musician, play that. Play it with the direct and intention of your child listening. Discriminate for the child or differentiate for the child. Baby, I am singing for you or I am playing for you. Tell me how that feels. Put your hand there. See if he taps back. Have a relationship with that baby. You want your children to come. What is the purpose of these intelligences? I mean, frankly, of anything, is how it enriches their life's experience. True. And that can only happen if they are able to appreciate it in a more bodily uh, human experience rather than just... Uh, you know, simply, I have to do this, I have to do this. I mean, God knows we are far too much human doing right now. Right. So, okay. uh, sacredbonds.pune says, great point. It's not about playing certain music or mantras. It's about the connection we make with the baby and being aware of how the baby reacts. Yeah. 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 So, yes, absolutely. Great point. So anyone has any questions, you can uh, let us know now or later. You can leave it in the comments. So I do, I do want to make a point about the mantras. You know, when we talk about mantras, yes. 
there is a whole body of research or, or you know science behind mantras the sound of phonetics the way the tongue touches the top or rolls the sound rolls in your throat and it evokes certain frequencies and we're talking energetics now we're not talking the mantra itself so when we do mantra chant we want to give that to the baby as a surrounding you can play it on a tape recorder and that's fine because if you don't have the voice you don't have the uh, intonation it's fine but what are you doing while the mantras are being played is also is the filter and i'd like you to i'd like to remind you of the story of abhimanyu here when the father was telling about the chakra view the mother was awake as he enters the chakra view and the story says then that she went to sleep and he never heard how to come out of it i i i'm using the story as a metaphor of the connection of the mother to what is happening outside and her deep connection with the baby at many many levels including biochemical how muscle tightness is how her heartbeat is and other functions that are related to her own experience so if she's stressed obviously her gut isn't working well there are so many different things happening in her body you know how the blood is swishing through how does the heartbeat what is the blood pressure all of this is is kind it's not a solo song that the baby is just hearing the mantras he is hearing the mantras through <clears> the <throat> lens of this experience so i'm all for mantras i'm all for whatever you choose to share in your life with your child but and i've said this before i've said it in writing why have we become a culture that is procuring the best baby i think we should be more worried about becoming giving our best to our baby not the other way around they are not obligated to be some way for us to love them because like i said that would be a transaction so if for a moment we would stop doing trying to get the best baby and start to putting the best foot forward for our child that might be the right um, you know nuance or emphasis in that relationship that our children have chosen us for who we are we've done that in our consciousness and intention section they are accepting of who we are unfortunately we are showing them that no they need to be more for us to accept them and we are completely putting their interpers intrapersonal and interpersonal intelligence out of whack those are the most important you know true one of the questions which have uh, come up is uh... that is mental illness related to the stress uh, that a mother goes through while the baby is in the womb okay two things firstly i may not be the person qualified to answer that because i'm not a mental um, health expert i may be able to offer an insight to say that as the baby is in utero and we talked about it there are critical or sensitive periods of development we know that stress brings up its own cocktail of hormones how that might be what is that overlying pattern of that organ development or those connection developments versus the environment in which it is being done um but i do want to add something here which might give you an insight to how this is being wired so we find a difference in cry of babies who have mute mother she's never spoken to the baby and the cry is different than babies whose whose parents talk to them 
and they follow the pattern of the mother's talking. So yes, is there a connection in the environment and how the body is being developed? Yes. But is there a direct relation? Maybe, but I'm not qualified to say that. So I can only offer you what I know and trust that you might have an insight to it. You might be able to also catch relevant points that might indicate a pattern here. And then perhaps something can be done about it as well. Uh, I'd like to always say that uh, human life is about hope. It is also about struggle. Struggle is the movement that tells you you're alive. Hope is that keeps you going. And you can hold, I mean, it's strange to say struggle and hope in the same frame and see what life might look like. Wonderful. So there are one question I have, which is a little off the topic, but I read somewhere that women uh, drop, uh, you know, their voices to, uh, you know, it kind of lowers the tone of the voice lowers uh, when you are pregnant. Uh, and there was some research which was done uh, in the UK about that. So what could be the reason for that? Um, so babies respond to low pitch voices and porosity the lengthening of vowels. So when we talk to babies, don't you see how we go sing song and also yeah. lower pitch. So, you know, they're very interested. They, they, they respond to father's voice very well because they have low pitch voices. Maybe perhaps that is why women intuitively drop and use that porosity or that sing song tone. Actually, there's a name for that sing song tone. It's called parentese. Parentese. We wow. always talk to children in a sing song fashion. Sing song, yes. And it comes instinctively. Nobody teaches right. us how to talk. So perhaps that's the reason, but it, I, I'm going to look into further. Now you piqued my interest. Yeah. Um, so Delhi Birth Network is saying, all this is so intuitive. We know this without knowing anything, yet we have lost this wisdom. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> we do, we have the knowing of it. And somewhere between, like I said, no, that the, the thought that comes by the time we verbalize it and take it to our cognitive brains, we've gone through many filters. If we just, so, so then in that case, I mean, I'm going to just take this from Delhi Bird Network and say, in that case, intra, intrapersonal intelligence is of great consequence. Because when you feel something and you can stay with it and you can know how to use it and respond to it and accept it and make meaning of it, then maybe this wisdom would not be lost. Maybe we would value it. Right, great. So uh, if you don't have any more questions, uh, we are actually putting all of this together in our next course. Uh, we will soon be launching our uh, Sentient Baby uh, course uh, early next month. Uh, so if any of you, uh, you know, uh, if this interests you, uh, to know more about the uh, baby's journey in the womb, uh, you know, you can enroll uh, through our e-learning platform or we'll be putting up information on our website as well. So uh, you can enroll for that course uh, through our website as well. We also want to add to not only the information, but give you the science behind it and the research. So we'll be putting it all there. Yes. And uh, we have other uh, videos on our IGTV uh, of our previous uh, 
uh, Talking Tuesdays as well. And uh, our YouTube channel has a lot of our videos from our website and otherwise uh, through our Insta lives also. So in case uh, you would want to see all those, uh, you can go through our uh, YouTube channel as well. And um, yes, so thank you so much uh, for joining us, everyone. Um, such an awesome live session. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deepika. Thank you to you for coming for almost, uh, you know, every Talking Tuesday of ours, uh, we've been seeing you. So thank you so much. Thanks, Divya. Thank you. It's lovely. I enjoy it. Bye-bye. <laughs>